Hello and welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Mark Edward Edens, one of the writers in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. How you doing today, Mark? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Pretty good. I recently interviewed Mark for uh, a piece about X-Men, which he was like the head writer for. And uh, when I looked at your IMDb, I got very excited that you'd written, I think, six, maybe seven episodes of the original Turtles cartoon. So I was glad that you uh, agreed to be on the podcast. So. And, and I remember three or four of them. <laughs> good that's great <laughs> that's more than half <laughs> uh i guess to be, before we get to turtles though i'd love to hear how you got started writing you you started writing with your brother correct um no not not really oh. um i actually uh, started writing in hollywood with uh eric leewald oh he, sure uh, yeah yeah x-men guy um we, we'd known each other in college we were actually on the college film committee okay. in college, and he had moved out to Los Angeles and happened to be uh, have an apartment next door to a guy who was a staff writer for Hanna-Barbera. Oh. And this was back in, in the time when they just started doing all the toy tie-in shows, 65-episode syndicated uh, shows that, that the toy companies would put up the money for. Sure. Like Transformers, Transformers. Uh, GoBots, all the they basically you know thirty minute commercials for the toys, but animated shows, and so it was a good time to get started in animation because suddenly they were doing a whole lot more than just Saturday morning and, and that kind of thing, and so they needed more writers. So they were they were willing to take a chance on people that you know hadn't hadn't worked for them before, and oh, so this friend a friend of Eric's got him an assignment and then after he did a couple he said well i got this guy that uh, you know we've written some stuff together before you know maybe because he knew i was a better writer than he was anyway <laughs> he, he may not remember that now but he, he knew that <laughs> and uh, and so we did one together you know which the the company's making you know there's no danger to them because it, it's going to be as good as the guy they already know because if it's not he's going to have to rewrite it anyway and just started doing that and then just went on from there. What was, uh, were you always interested in writing cartoons? No, I was never interested in writing cartoons. Interesting. Uh, I, I like to watch cartoons when I was a kid, but then who doesn't? Sure. But the things I, I mainly liked was like the old Warner Brothers, uh, you know, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, that kind of thing. And I wasn't a big comic book fan. I wasn't a, a big animation fan. It just uh, it was a, a good place to get started because, like I said, it was a time when they were taking a chance on new people. Sure. And uh, by the way, if, if anybody hasn't looked up your IMDb, I encourage them to. You've written for like every cartoon. It is astounding. All the shows that you wrote for from Ghostbusters to GoBots to Johnny Quest, Beetlejuice. It's it's Pound Puppies. There's everything on there. Uh, now, uh, your first credit on there says The Prowler. Is that is that your first credit on there? Uh, is that the first show that you got on the air? Um, yeah, this uh, again, this was with Eric Leewald. Uh, he and another another friend of his, another guy on the film committee, had made a low-budget drive-in movie Okay, when they, when they were in college called Incoming Freshman, which was just kind of a college comedy, you know, with, with a little jiggling uh, breasts here and there. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Driving stuff. And this was uh, like the late 70s. So, you know, it was 
before everybody could make a movie. You know, you still had to raise like $30,000 to to buy a film, even if everybody else was working free. And they had done this movie and there was a a guy, it got released through a company in New York that uh, the guy had had a movie called The Prowler that he needed a rewrite on. And so they flew uh, uh, Eric and I up to New York uh, for two weeks to, to sit in a hotel room with a little Smith Corona typewriter and do a page one rewrite of this uh, horror movie, The Prowler. So that was like the first paying job I had. Very cool. Was uh, was Go Boss the first cartoon? Uh, yes, it was. And what was it like? Uh, what was the experience like of, of writing cartoons for, for the first time back then? Like, what was it? Any memories from those early days? It, it's a lot more exciting when you've never done it before. <laughs> Sure. You know, you're, you're, you're all excited about, about your first few. And, uh, and, and it was interesting because, you know, cartoon scripts are very different from uh, regular movie scripts. You know, I'd, we'd written some spec stuff and I'd written spec stuff on my own starting when I was what, a little kid, you know, trying to adapt War of the Worlds as a, you know, in, into a movie script as a period piece, not, uh, not Tom Cruise, but, you know, actually set in, you know, like 1900. Um, but um, and so I was familiar with with uh, movie scripts and 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 how they how they looked and then and how they were and then when you go into cartoons it's so much denser because in cartoon scripts you you the writer is actually calling all the angles and the shots and and giving detailed uh, descriptions of the action and and, and how it looks and everything that goes on. The kind of stuff that they always warn you not to do in movie scripts because nobody's going to read it anyway. They just read the dialogue and follow the story in a movie script. And if it even, if it makes it to a director like that, he's going to hate you because he doesn't want you to tell him how to shoot the movie because he wants to shoot it the way he wants. So he'd, he'd take a look at that script and say, well, I don't want this writer on the set anytime because he thinks he could direct. Them. You, know, you don't want that guy hanging around. Right. So, so it was interesting. Uh, but but I, growing up, I've been a big fan of westerns and war movies, action movies, science fiction, all that stuff. So it fit real well with going into the, you know, not not so much traditional kids animated things, but the, you know, action adventure stuff like the GoBots or oh, yeah, sure. Transformers, all that kind of stuff. I know a lot of Ninja Turtles fans are also Ghostbusters fans, uh, and you wrote a number of episodes for the original Ghostbusters cartoon. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I worked on 10, 10 of those. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear if you have any memories from that. Cause I, I, I there's a lot of crossover for, for Turtles fans and Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters was a show. I liked a lot more than the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um, I, you know, Ninja Turtles, it, it, it's a younger audience. It's a younger show. Sure. And, and, uh, and we can get back to that later because I, I got a, something occurred to me today that was interesting. But Ghostbusters uh, was was pretty much just like an animated version of the movie. You know, it was uh, the, the producers on a movie uh, was it Joe Medchuk? Because I mean, he was one of the producers. Uh, you know, along with Ivan Reitman, the director, and people like that. On the movie, was actually involved with the animated show, hmm. and so and the the sense of humor and the sensibility was very similar. Sure. So it. it Writing for the Ghostbusters felt like writing a live action show. It's just it was going to be done in animation instead of in front of the cameras. And and it wasn't written down to children, really. It was, 
the same kind of jokes you'd write if you were writing a, you know, a sequel to the Ghostbusters. You know, I'm curious. You you wrote so many different kinds of shows. How did you get yourself up to speed on knowing who the characters were, the different quirks, the writing? Like, how did you do that with so many different programs? Well, you know, they've always got a show bible, and unless I mean, and I've written those too. You know, when I was in on the development of a show, but they have detailed things that give you uh, what the characters are like and and what the world of the show is like. And, and with the toy shows, you get endless pages of, of things about what their equipment looks like, what their vehicles are like, because the toy company is actually designing those themselves. So they have all this information, more than you want to know about that side of the show. Sure. And you just kind of get in the habit of, of, uh, of reading that. And if they got a pilot script or something, you know, you read that and you just, uh, and then you go from there. Okay, cool. I just, I just, you've written so many things. I'm like, I, I can't. It must be hard to keep up. But that's, that's great. Um, well, that's one reason that, that I, I always say I have trouble remembering the shows I've written. Sure. Because as soon as you finish it, you want to put it out of your mind. Because you, the thing about animation is that, uh, you know, Roger Corman said everybody in Hollywood's overpaid, but writers are the least overpaid. Well, sure. he could have added a corollary that animation writers are the least of the least overpaid writers. <laughs> Um, because it, it it doesn't pay as well as live action, and so the the way to make a living writing animation was to do a lot of scripts, and so you do them as fast as you could, and you were always looking for new assignments for more work. So as soon as you finish a, a script, as soon as you finish a show, you kind of put it behind you, and you don't want to think about it again because you're on to this next thing, and you don't want to be thinking about what this one character might be like, and and inadvertently remember something about this other character in this other show. You know, you want to just forget everything that you've done and move on to what you're doing now. I, I feel like that too. I've written hundreds of magazine articles and like somebody will reach out to me about something I wrote a year ago. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about that subject. I don't know. <laughs> like I was an expert on it that week of my life. And since then I've forgotten everything I learned. So yeah, it's a real skill to be able to do that. I mean, just yeah. to, to to put them behind you. The yeah. show I'm writing on now, I'm doing I'm doing uh, working on a true crime show, and I'm okay. I'm on like the uh, the fortieth episode of it, fifty. I don't know, I've lost count. Episode of it, and I I can't remember. You know the one the one that I did last week, unless I stop and think about it. You know, or people say, oh, I saw an episode of that. It was about this you know woman that killed such and such 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 a way. You know, did you write that one? I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> Which show is that? Um, well, I, I started out doing episodes of Snapped. Oh, which I know is that. Show. Women that kill yeah. And I did like 60 of those. And then the, the same production company moved me on a show called Fatal Attraction. Okay, cool. Which is, you know, kind of a similar thing, except it doesn't have to be a woman who kills somebody. There just has to be a relationship involved in it. A lot of times it's, you know, boyfriend with anger management issues kills his girlfriend or something. Or, you know, a woman gets tired of her husband and kills him. You know, it, it, there's always a relation in this. That and, and, and they're doing them so quick, and, and there's a certain similarity. And, and it, the process is really detailed, and you just have to forget about everything that came before and sure. to concentrate on the one you're doing now. I, uh, I'm going to do exactly what you just said everybody does, and you never know. There's an episode of Snap that I watched. 
that took place uh, at a place called Secrets in Ocean City, Maryland, um, which is a place my wife used to go. My wife and I used to go and like that was like where one of our first dates was and all that. And then we see this episode where this woman lured a guy to back to her condo in Ocean City, Maryland and chopped him up. And I, we, we've talked about that episode maybe a hundred times over the past so many years. I don't know if it's one of yours, but. <laughs> I don't think I wrote that one because the, the ones where, where somebody chops up uh, uh, the body afterwards tend to stick with you for some reason more than. Gotcha. <laughs> more than if, if, if they just kill him. And... Sure. Uh, all right, get into Ninja Turtles. So I, I'm curious how you got the Ninja Turtles gig. Do you remember? No, it might it, that one actually might have been through my agent. Which um, okay, yeah, and, and the animation community was was pretty small. Sure, back then, um, and there were only you know there were very few agents that handled animation writers. And a lot of times, what would happen is somebody would have a show that's coming up, and they'd have like a cattle call for writers. And uh, and I, I don't remember if this is what happened on Ninja Turtles or not, but uh, you know the same two dozen people would show up, um, dozen two dozen however many it was, you know, and, and everybody sort of knew everybody else because they'd all worked on the same shows, and, and you'd show up and they'd t- tell you about the show and pass out Bibles and things and you'd submit premises and try to get assignments off you know little paragraph premises of. Uh, you know, Shredder starts a pizza delivery service to try to, because he knows the turtles love pizza, and this is a way sure. to catch them. You know, which might have been the premise for Pizza by the Shred. Sure. That I wrote for turtles. Or maybe now, I can't remember the episode that well, but it sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, um, you know, I wonder, I was wondering if it was like a cattle call, because season three is when turtles exploded. There were 47 episodes in that one season alone which is bonkers and you wrote four of them so like or you and i'm getting you and uh and i think your brother right uh yeah my brother michael yeah um yeah so honestly and it's funny like i was i was watching your episodes again if you don't remember this point but i was watching your episodes and there was a number of them that like are some of my favorite ones so pizza by the shred that you mentioned that that one i had on a vhs tape i don't even know if it was released on a vhs tape but I knew I had it taped somewhere or something. I've watched that one maybe more than any other episode of that cartoon. Um, and I, nobody can see this, so I'm wasting my time describing it. But like behind me, there's a million turtle toys. And one of them is a custom-made uh, weird pizza shop that I spent, I don't know if you can see this, Mark, but I spent, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I spent like hundreds of dollars getting somebody to custom make this thing for me because I love that episode so much. Uh, I would love to hear if you have any memories about that one. I don't know if you do, but that's one of my favorites is Pizza by the Shred. So, uh, no, I think the the uh, the suggestion of what the premise might have been is about sure all I, all I can remember about that. Do you remember what the process was like? Like, so did you submit episode ideas and then get them green lighted, or did like David Wise assign them? Because I, I know David Wise wrote most of the series. Uh, yeah, I was I was working I think with a guy named Jack Mendelson. Oh, okay. Who who I think was when I was doing it, I think he was in charge of the scripts. Um, Interesting. That that's my memory of it anyway. Sure. And um, and it's possible I got on the turtles because I may have worked on a show with him before, and that might have been how I did it because I know I worked on several different shows that Jack, uh, who, who I think was was was. 
you know, like a, a comedy guy who'd been around for a long time. I got, you know, had written for comedy shows sure. and, and animated shows and things. Um, so, but, but I'm sure I submitted premises because that's, that's just how it was done and probably submitted a bunch of, them. you know, sure. you just, you, you, you'd come up with ideas, uh, you know, as, as many ideas as you could and write them up. Because you, you you hope to to have somebody say, oh yeah, this I like these three, you know, because then you got three assignments at one time. Oh wow! Or, or you know, you know, you're going to get three assignments. So you did Pizza by the Shred, uh, which is the one where Michelangelo starts working for the Shredder, who opens up the weird pizza pizza place, um, which again is one of my favorites. Uh, the Ninja Sword of Nowhere, where Shredder gets an alien sword and starts basically traveling through reality or whatever be a sword yeah yeah that one i have no memory of at all that's fine <laughs> although although as you describe it it sounds vaguely familiar but i, I couldn't tell you anything about it. uh it, that one had a, for the fans that one had a rare splinter saying cowabunga and uh I, it may have been one it was one of the one of the ones that showed krang's addiction to soap operas which i love which is one of my favorite running jokes in the show um there was camera bugged where the the polarisoid uh, aliens come and it's like an Ed Wynn caricature who just starts taking pictures of everything and sucking them into his camera. I don't know if you remember anything about that one. Uh, you know, as you described it, I do. I remember the uh, I remember the show, but yeah, nothing about writing it or anything. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> um, there's also mutagen monster, which is one where. Uh, or maybe. mutagen monster, if you want to. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, you can call it, yeah. Yeah, we got, we enjoyed this. That was the one where uh, they, does, they uh, does the herd of cows turn into a giant cow? Yeah, monster? they turn a giant cow okay. with spikes all over them. <clears throat> That's yeah, I, always thought, I always thought that was a good idea in animation. Uh, I did one, or maybe my brother and I both did one, I can't remember. Uh, uh, for the Ghostbusters, okay, where, um, uh, a, a vat of steel got got fused with a ghost, and so all these things that were made out of it uh, were haunted and, and were kind of alive. And at the end of that, they were in a junkyard fighting, and, and this enormous junkyard monster assembled itself. And that that was kind of the same idea. It was an interesting way to get some really interesting visual. Thing. You know, a, haunted, or a, a, a mutated cow is not as interesting as a giant monster made up of, you know, all, hundreds of mutated cows. So that, that was a way to, to try to get some interesting, an interesting look to it. That episode has one of the weirdest and I think funniest in retrospect elements of the first Turtles cartoon, which is the utterly bizarre geography of New York City. Like, <laughs> so like there was downtown, right? Like, and it is just there's a range for cows and there's a rail yard. Like, there's none of this thing. There's all these times too where there's like this nuclear power plants and things like that. All these things seem to be within the confines of Manhattan in that show. And yet <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I love it. Whereas in reality, all those things are across the river in New Jersey. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but who wants to write a show in New Jersey? So that's <laughs> Um, that's another one where I had this sort of weird connection to it. I had this for years. I've had this animation cell. I can see it there of, of Bebop and Rocksteady on a hand car. 
And I never knew what episode it was from. And until I revisited yours uh, recently, I was like, oh, that's the one where it, it's the 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 um, mutagen monster one where the Bebop and Roxy end up on a hand car. And I was like, oh, that's I, I did. I had the cell for two years. I never knew where it came from. So it was from one of yours. Hand car is the kind of thing that people only put in an animated show because they used to watch old Hanna-Barbera cartoons or, or old, old Warner Brothers cartoons because a hand car is something that, that nobody these days has any experience of except in some old movie or old cartoon. Yeah, it's just some old comedy staple, which is great. <laughs> or even and Western staple too, of course. Um, so those were the ones you wrote during season four. And then you came back in season nine. And I don't know if you remember these, but these are like the first three episodes where, or first two or three episodes where they reintroduce or they introduced the new vi- villain, the bad guy, Dreg. Yeah, I have absolutely no memory of those. In fact, when I went back and, and, and looked at, at episodes of the show and I saw something about how, you know, the, the feeling of the series had changed and it had gotten a little more dramatic, a little yeah. less comedic. And I was thinking, well, I must not have written any of those after that change because I remember it just being pretty much straight comedy. And then I looked at the list of episodes and I thought, oh, well, I guess I did write Yes, yeah, so so, you wrote two or three, depending upon where you look, and it yeah. and uh, it introduced the new bad guy villain, and um, the, yeah, the whole mood of the series had changed to be darker and edgier. But like the fun was also kind of gone, so it was like this revamp that I don't know. That I guess I don't know if they were as fun to write. I wonder. So probably not, because yeah. uh, I mean, with a show that that where the basic premise is is silly i mean the, the correct me if i'm wrong my understanding was the origin of the of the mutant t- teenage mutant ninja turtles was just somebody doing an underground comic who tried to think of the stupidest sounding superhero you know team that he could could think and he put together you know teenage mutant ninja turtles because none of that made any sense all put together that's the, not falling off the mark yeah that's that's, yeah, that, that's that was, not that was my understanding yeah. Um, and trying to write a dramatic show about a concept that's that's on, on, on the face of it is silly. Yeah, isn't isn't you know nearly as much fun as writing a, a comedy about that concept. I mean, the comedy of that show is what like you know I I still watch it on a semi regular basis because I'm nostalgic and whatever. But also like. The, there's genuinely a lot of good gag writing on the show. Like there's a lot of really fun, like in your episodes were great examples of that. Like where there's genuinely funny jokes where characters are breaking the fourth wall and like doing all kinds of weird things. And like it, it, it there's a lot of actually funny jokes on the show, even when the show it, stories are like whatever sometimes. Yeah. And you know, some of that uh, could be the, the influence of people like Mendelssohn who were in, in, uh, you know, who were in charge of the scripts, who had written a lot of comedy and things. Uh, I always find comedy more more fun to work on because you get some immediate gratification as you're writing it. Yeah, sure. You know, if you're writing a, a, a show like uh, the X-Men or, or even more so Exosquad, you know, if you're familiar with that one. Oh, yeah. Where it's trying to be really dramatic and sometimes, you know, you're killing characters and people are all upset and there's all this angst and, and drama and things whether it works or not depends on how well it's done yeah 
so often your experience is you write it and you see it as being really good when you write it and then you watch it and you think, oh, well, that, you know, there's, there's this animation moment where it doesn't work and it really takes you out of it and stuff. Whereas if you're writing gags, if you're writing funny lines in a comedy, as soon as you write it, you know, you think, oh, that's going to be funny. They're going to laugh at that, you know, because you, you would laugh at it if you see it. Yeah. And so you get some immediate satisfaction. You, you can look at the script and, and think this is good. Yeah. Whereas with a dramatic thing, you're not, you're not sure until they do it. The, uh, let me ask you, and this is just speaking sort of generally, it doesn't have to be specifically turtles. What was your process like writing with your brother? Like how would you guys go about, you know, writing these episodes? Do you recall? Um, not specifically on the on the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I've written a lot with people, and I don't I don't actually like it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I much better do it myself. I'm one of those people I don't like it until I've done it. You know, and, which is why I wasn't a very good story editor. I've story edited, you know, a couple of couple of series, and I rewrote too much because I didn't like it until I'd completely changed it and. And made it the script that I would have written. Uh, and to be a good story editor, especially if you're doing a show with a lot of episodes, in a way, you have to be less of a perfectionist. Oh, interesting. You have to take these people's work and say, well, yeah, it's good enough. You know, <laughs> otherwise, you get bogged down. Sure. Doing too much. Um, so uh, even though I, you know, I wrote a lot of stuff with Eric Leewall and a lot of stuff with my brother. Michael, um, I, I prefer working alone. And so sometimes when we, when we would work together, we'd almost end up doing it separately. Um, Michael didn't, I liked writing outlines because okay. you're making up a story and you're making up stuff. And, and if you think of a joke, you can put it in the outline. Uh, you know, you can put in as much and do as much detail as you want. Sure. And writing the scripts is kind of tedious because you're thinking about an action scene and you think, well, you know, a close up and then a, you know, a tracking shot where he jumps and he's going to hit somebody. And then you get another angle here where you see the guy getting hit. And that's kind of hard work. Sure. You can, you can do it real fast if, if you really get in the concentration of it. I, I once wrote, uh, this was for Defenders of the Earth. I was doing a script for Defenders of the Earth. And I wrote seven pages in an hour and a half, 15 minutes a page. Good God. Um, or a little better than that would be a little better than 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, because you're just you're, you're seeing it and you're just writing it down as fast as you see it. Sure. Uh, but it takes a lot of concentration where it's not, you know, it's not as much fun as just writing an outline. So sometimes when I'm working with my brother, I would end up right, I'd write the outline and he'd write the script. Okay. Or, you know, we'd, I'd write an outline and then he'd do the first two acts and I'd do the third one. You know, something like that. We just, uh, I know on some show, I can't remember what it was. We ended up sitting at Eric Leewald's table, the dining room table with computers, you know, kind of writing at the same time. You know, just seeing, you know, whoever finished their act first had to go in and do the next one. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and when we got on to, to Exo Squad, I ended up writing you know, like all the outlines <laughs> for, the, for the, the last season of Exo Squad. I just. Oh, wow. Kind of wrote them all. Well, in Wing Commander Academy, too. Um, just, I, I like making up the stories and stuff. And, uh, but doing the scripts was harder work. One thing I'm curious about, and this may not be uh, memorable, but 
with the turtles, do you remember having to ride around the fact they can't use their weapons ever? Because they never do in this show. They just, you know, pop open fire hydrants and things like that. Like, I, w- I, do you recall that at all? Because it seems like such a weird, annoying thing to have to ride around. Yeah, well, that may that show may not have been as bad as it as it sometimes was. Um, we're uh, working on on network shows in that era was was just really hard because okay. they were so paranoid about imitatable violence. Sure. And as like I said, I, I like the old Warner Brothers cartoons where you know you you blow off Daffy Doug's bill you know half a dozen times in the course of in the course of a seven minute cartoon. You know. Um, <laughs> it's hard to do physical comedy if you can't do anything that some kid could hurt himself trying to do. Sure. And so it, it could be really hard, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad on, on the Ninja Turtles as, as it was on some of those network shows, which were just, it just like something like a pound puppies or, or, or something like that, where you, you, you want to do physical comedy, but you can't do anything that could get a kid hurt. Jeez. I can't imagine like that, like the amount of constraints put on it. And it's not even just like even, I don't know, even absurd violence, I'm guessing was a problem, right? Like, cause Looney Tunes is very absurd, but like. Oh yeah. Yeah. You couldn't do. Yeah. yeah you couldn't do anything that cause they were just terrified to get sued. Wow. Some kid somewhere would, um, you know, pick up a gun and shoot another, shoot somebody. And he would have watched a cartoon where somebody fired a ray gun and hit somebody and killed him. And I don't remember that episode of Pound Puppies where somebody shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember any episodes of Pound Puppies either. I think the the worst show I ever worked on was was uh, one from that era called Foofer. What's that? Please tell me. It, it was like a sitcom with dogs. Foofer was a, some kind of blue dog. Okay. And, and it, was, it was the same time I was writing for the Pound Puppy. And it it was as it was it was like a sitcom, but but they wanted physical, you know, comedy. They wanted pratfalls and, and things, but they were so paranoid about what you could do that it was just really really hard to do. What which, so which was your favorite to write for? On the other the other side of that, uh, of any show? Yeah, was it was it Ghostbusters? Uh, Probably Beetlejuice was a lot of fun too, because like Ghostbusters, that was a really good show. It, it was growing out of a comedy that you know wasn't for kids. Yeah, and so and you had so you had the characters in the setup that wasn't specifically tailored for kids. So you're doing jokes, you know, basically for adults that you think kids probably think it's funny too. Sure. So yeah, Ghostbusters and, and, and Beetlejuice, were, and, and there's a show I story edited. It was a big flop, but uh, but I liked it a lot. Called uh, Little Shop, okay, which was an animated version of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh wow, I don't know this show. Oh okay, it was um um it, it, it was done for uh, for Fox, I think, because uh, yeah, Margaret Lesh was involved. It was uh, yeah, that that one was really satisfying because. Uh, I think I, I think I wrote all the outlines for that one too, and was involved in 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 uh, creating it because they they had they had the concept and they just couldn't couldn't sell it, and they brought me in to do a do a pitch do a thing, and I wrote it as the main character. 
as this uh, nerdy kid telling the story about how he found this man-eating plant and how it's complicated his life and all that. And they and they just sold it. They just took it in and read that, and everybody thought it was funny, so they bought the show. But like I say, it was a big flop, but it, but it was a funny show. That's cool. I've, I've never seen it. Maybe it's on YouTube or something. I'll have to seek it out. It, um, it did not appeal to little boys because it was about a nerdy kid named Seymour Krellborn. Sure. Who was always being put upon and, and, and everything. So it was only popular with girls. If you, you know, when I watched it, when it came out, it was all, all doll commercial and things during, you know, during the commercial breaks. Because, and plus it took place in a flower shop and it had kind of a, kind of a pastel floral look. It was an interesting look. It was a really interesting animated uh, look to it, but it, little boys didn't watch it so they lost at least half their audience right there you know looking at your credits i'm curious like you know you started writing uh eight cartoons like 81 85 like early mid 80s and then it did so for the next 20 25 years like i'm curious how i don't know how the business of animation writing changed in that time you know i i really don't know what it's like now although I'm, i'm actually doing some animation writing now okay Still, because uh, I can't afford to retire. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it, it, at some point, they they stopped doing the kind of action-adventure shows, uh, or they did a lot fewer of them uh, that I really was working on most uh, back then, you know, and, and it went a lot more toward odd looking and, and they, a lot of it was more driven by by people who both did the artwork and wrote the shows you know it was more like uh, sure you know and, and that was when when things like Ren and Stimpy and and uh, and a show that I really like two angry beavers that show was great oh my I love the story of the finale of that show where they broke the format and they found out they were in cartoons they never made the finale no I didn't I didn't see that the story is the the, the un created or whatever the written but never actually made i think finale was that the angry beavers found out that they were in a cartoon and then they found out that cartoon was getting canceled and so the whole episode is them out running their own cancellation it's brilliant but i've never it was never made it was just so smart so oh oh, yeah that's a funny show yeah yeah the 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 beaver whose lifelong ambition was to be a lipizzan or stallion (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the funniest things ever so that is um, but, you know, shows like that kind of, you know, change things a little bit. And and that was uh, around the time when, when I started getting less work <laughs> and, sure. and doing um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, th- there's still some things being done. You know, I, I went on and did, uh, you know, some things from Mattel and stuff that, that were the old kind of uh, action adventure sort of things, Acceleracers, you know, they, we did. A bunch of those and stuff. Sure, uh, but but the business changed. Yeah. yeah, which is why I'm doing shows about people killing people. Right. <laughs> Where plenty of violence is okay. That's right. Yeah, they're never going to stop doing that. So. Yeah, I hope never agree. Uh, I wonder what was more violent, Looney Tunes cartoons or what you're writing now? That's <laughs> yeah, probably Looney Tunes. Probably. Um, Let's see. You know, I, I want to ask you, you also worked, uh, if you don't remember, that's fine. On one of your episodes, you worked with Bob Forward, who would go on to create Beast Wars. Do you remember what working with him was like or no? 
<laughs> no, and I know I know Bob Ford, but I can't remember. That's fine. You know, uh, <laughs> the the only thing I remember about Bob Ford is that at the uh, at the poker games we used to have at Eric Lewald's house, where there uh, there were certainly a lot of animation writers and and things, and Bob Ford was not there. Um, but it was animation writers and a producer that I knew and, and people like that would, would get together and play poker once a week. And every time somebody mentioned Bob Ford, somebody else would say in a very serious tone, young testicle pilot. <laughs> what? <laughs> Instead of test pilot, young testicle pilot. Okay. Which kind of somehow brought up an image with Bob Ford at the same, an odd image in your mind. <laughs> That, that joke has stayed with me, and, and and but I don't remember Bob at all. That's fine. Uh, you also it also says that you uh, co-wrote an episode with David Wise. Uh, do you remember David Wise at all, or did you work with? Do you recall working with him at all? Or no, I don't remember him at all. You know that could be one where, you know, where they had an outline and then it was rewritten or whatever. Sure, and, and and he didn't have time to do the script, so they got me to or vice versa. Sure, that that I did an outline and and. They gave it to him. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it what it was. That's fine. Uh, you know, I think I'm set. I'm going to ask you this question because I ask everybody. But if you don't have any, <laughs> fine. Um, uh, do you have a favorite Ninja Turtle? <laughs> you know, the problem with the Ninja Turtles was telling them apart because <laughs> they're all the same. And in fact, that this is the perfect setup for the the brilliant insight I had when I was trying to remember things about the Ninja Turtles. Sure. It occurred to me that, you know, the reason they were so popular with kids is because they all look alike. So that when kids are playing the Ninja Turtles, they don't all want to be the same one. Yeah. You know, if they're playing X-Men, they all want to be Wolverine because he's cool and he's he slashes things with his, you know, no, no kid wants to say, I want to stand there and pull my glasses off and incinerate people with my eyes. Right. Because that's not fun, you know. Right. Jumping around and pretending you're slashing people with your the claws that burst out of your your knuckles. That's sure. fun. And with the Ninja Turtles, nobody looks cooler than anybody else because they all don't like it except for. And I had trouble telling them apart anyway. I mean, the names all, all they all sound alike because because they're all Renaissance artists. Um, and and well, another thing that I think was a key to their popularity with with real young kids is. In terms of characters, they only had one trait apiece. You know, one guy's the leader, one yeah, guy's sure, sure. lazy, one guy is, is grumpy or argumentative. Or was that Donatello? I can't remember. Uh, Raphael. Raphael. Was, was like, grumpier one. Yeah. Donatello was the smart one, and Mikey was the funny party guy one. No, okay. There you go. Um, and Leonardo was the leader. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that makes it real easy for kids. To become the character. Yeah. There's not any kind of complicated nuance to the character. They're just a basic trait. And and the fact that that what they do is is kind of half-baked martial arts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's stuff. <laughs> you know, and it's stuff that 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 little bitty kids can do on the playground. Yeah. They can they can strike poses and kick and swing and and stuff without actually hitting anything. <laughs> Right. And it worked. And it occurred to me that uh, the Power Rangers had exactly the same appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Color the color all look the same yeah. except for the color. Yeah. They do, you know, 
martial arts poses and and stuff. Yes. And there isn't really there's a lot more reason. posing than fighting in those shows. Yeah, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah. And 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 then it occurred to me that that the titles are the, are similar. Yeah. Mighty Morphin Teenage Power Rangers. Yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And there were other shows, and I can't remember what they were, but it's like peop, uh, the powers that be thought that was part of the success was the well, name of the show. Turtles came out, too, there was a lot of shows that, like, Biker Mice from Mars and Street Sharks that were just, let's just do turtles with different animals. There was a lot yeah. of so much success. There, there were even ones that had, had similar, long, bizarre yeah. names. Certainly. That... It's like they they thought that was part of the appeal, so they would try to copy everything. Which you is know, how it works. Instead of uh, Turtle, then, uh, do you have a favorite Ghostbuster? We'll end with that. How about that? You know, when I started writing Ghostbusters, I had trouble telling them apart. It, 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 <laughs> to, a very, to a very small extent, it had been a while since I saw the movie. And so I remember the first one I wrote, uh, uh, it's like Harold Ramis and... and uh, Dan Aykroyd's dialogue was all switched because I had the characters confused. That's hysterical. <laughs> uh, but, but apparently it worked. Um, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, That's why. Because the, the Ghostbusters worked so well together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they really, you know, it wouldn't, you know, as much as everybody, everybody likes Bill Murray because he's, because of the attitude and stuff. Sure. And, and the, uh, uh, the opportunities for funny lines if 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 you're the writer, but if it just been him, it wouldn't have worked nearly as well. You had to have the characters okay. to to work off of. I can tell you my my favorite uh, Ghostbusters episode. Sure, please, yeah, that sounds good. Which was uh, a Ghost Fight at the OK Corral. Okay, which uh, partly because it looked better than than any of the others, the the animators liked it. A lot, probably because I think it was animated in Japan, maybe. Okay. And they were probably probably all Western fans. And so they, they just loved the script. So they went to full, you know, Ennio Morricone on the on the big gunfight at the end, you know, with close-ups of people squinting and hands, you know, slowly sliding toward their weapons and all that stuff. And so they really made an effort to make that one look good. Oh, that's plus, cool. Plus, I had read a lot of Westerns when I, when I was uh, an adolescent kind of guilty pleasure and they quote uh, uh, a big passage from, from supposedly from this western writer Dewey Lamort who was okay. making fun of Louis Lamour you know he was like the biggest western writer ever and the passage is almost exactly from a Louis Lamour book you know it's and it sounds really silly it's I, I enjoyed making fun of these books that I used to read I to revisit that one. That's cool. I, I have to revisit. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was. It was. It turned out well. It's a nice poker humor. Uh, that's great. Uh, what was the name again? Remind me. I'm sorry. Uh, Ghost fight at the OK Corral. All right. Cool. That's uh, that's my homework for this evening. Although the best, <laughs> the, the best premise was one that, that my little brother came up with sure. when he was a kid. Um, we told him, yeah, yeah, come up with a premise, you know, for us or something. And he said, oh, it goes to Houdini. They catch it and it keeps getting out of the trap. That's great. That's really funny. That's the best idea I've ever That's heard. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And that turned into a really good episode, the Cabinet of Calamari. I'm guessing you just have to punch the ghost in the gut and it's... it's <laughs> you know, we didn't do that far, but we should have. We should have. <laughs>
anyway, yeah, I know you're trying to get rid of me. So no, 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 this is great. I appreciate it. (laughs) But you can tell I like the Ghostbusters because I actually like to talk. I actually remember those and I like talking about them. Well, honestly, it's a pleasure to talk about that, too. So, like I said, there's a lot of Ghostbusters fans uh, in this audience, too. So I, I, I appreciate talking all of it. And uh, if any if any turtle memories come to me, come to you, I'll uh, I'll have you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I can't remember. No, no, no. I'm really no, what it interests me. And because I'm a huge animation fan is to hear how like what that process was like and how things changed over the years. So that's that's I, I, that's uh, this has been great. I really do appreciate it. But I don't uh, I which turtle did you know which joke which turtle said is is not as interesting as getting to learn a bit about you know what you've been through so thank you yeah yeah it's 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 so different now um yeah that i really wouldn't know how to how to get started you know how to how to get into it now sure yeah it's a it's a completely different world you know seems like and then i think in a lot of ways it shows the show's Maybe not the ones specifically aimed at kids, which I, I still find kind of insufferable. That, that part of the interesting thing about me writing for animation is I, I never liked writing for children. Interesting. Um, so that's I think why that's I, what gave some of their edge back then. I, I I wonder. Like, there's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of gags on turtles that I think are really funny. Uh, and uh, Ghostbusters is another good example. Of that I wonder if that's what some of it was because a lot of people went from sitcom writing into and like uh i have a friend named ron friedman who did a lot of transformer stuff and all that and he had written for odd couple and all that before then and it's just uh i wonder if that's where because they got their training ground on different kinds of writing is why those cartoons had some edge to them so i could be i knew a lot of guys uh, animation writers and i say guys because um back then when we were doing all those action adventure shows it was mainly mainly uh, men who were writing the Sorry. cartoons, um, and it was uh, th- there were some that that liked writing for children and they were actually good at it. You know, who would write lots and lots of episodes for Disney for Winnie the Pooh. Sure, and you know, and and were good writers, really good writers, and could write the other stuff too. But they liked writing that stuff. You know, I tried to get assignments on the Smurfs. Okay, and I was I wasn't Smurfy enough, so I could never. <laughs> because it was aimed at such a young audience yeah but a lot of well, the writers you, you, you can pretty much have your dialogue written for you when half the words are the word smurf so you think yeah. of busy <laughs> but but a lot of the people were, were were people that would rather have been writing you know big budget action movies more movies and had grown up watching television in the 60s and 70s and sure. when it was you know when the movies that they were rerunning were all, all john wayne westerns and and more movies from the '60s and, and stuff, and so they were they were really into movies that were supposedly for adults, but the kids really liked. Oh yeah, for sure. they brought that same sensibility to the, the animation that they wrote, where they were writing stories for adults, but they were doing it with the idea that, well, you know, I watched war movies when I was a kid. I'll, I'll want to watch this. You know, kids will want to watch this animated show. Uh, where it's simple enough for them to follow and understand, even if it is about about an intergalactic war. I wonder if that's a skill you had to learn is like because of your influences, but then you're writing for children. If you had to pull your punches a lot, yeah, you, you do it sometimes. I mean, uh, and you you were always excited when you could get something in that 
<laughs> you know, sure. the, the, yeah, they didn't like you know, it, you know, drug joke and Ghostbusters. You know, where the guy the guy gets real dizzy and says, "Oh, I haven't felt like this since Woodstock." Sure. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's a drug reference. Slip by, oh. right, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's just, it, you, you accept it. I mean, you know, it's like having to make the, the stories, having to tell you stories in 22 minutes. Yep. You know, it's just a given at the show. Yeah. There's certain things you can do and you can't do. And, you, you know, it's their money. It's their show. Yeah. Sure. They're paying you to write it if you can't give them what they want while trying to give yourself something that you like too. You know, you should, you shouldn't be in a business. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, this is a huge pleasure. Again, I encourage people to check out your IMDb page and see the numerous cartoons you've written. And uh, you had a huge influence on X-Men, which is a great show too. So um, well, you know, I, I checked out my IMDb page uh, uh, trying to get ready for this. Cause I was looking up to see how, you know, how many episodes of the turtles I wrote. Yeah. First thing on the page is a show I've never heard of. So you can't always trust IMDb. Oh, yeah. That's very uh, corn and peg. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah I have no idea what that is. I don't either. <laughs> uh, well, if, if half of these are right, it's still a hell of a resume. So <laughs> yeah, they, I think most of them are. There are probably a few that they've missed in there. I'm sure. Yeah, it's all. The ones, oh, oh, ones oh. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, Mark, it was a pleasure talking to you. And thanks so much for your time. This is great. I really appreciate it. All right, a pleasure. If uh, you got any anything else you want to talk about sometime, just let me know. Will do. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care.